Martin banks it off. Sutter is up with it there. Right around in front. Live. In the entertainment capital of the world. Leading goal scorer on the team. Drew one in front. It's the T.C. Martin Show. A tie game on the power play. Hodgson was at the front of the net. Time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. A power play goal by the captain, T.C. Martin. It's brushed on back by Richard Fartone. Right up front, Yager, fed inside of the net. Score! The doctor is now in. Well, hello, and here we go on a Friday afternoon in Las Vegas. And no, this is not the doctor. This is Brian Feldman coming off the bench, pitch-hitting, out of the penalty box, whatever you want to say, for the doctor himself, T.C. Martin, who is off today, although he will be on for the pick segment a little later in the show. I am joined by co-host today, Marco D'Angelo, known handicapper and a genuinely good guy and also a great sports mind. He'll be kicking it off with me here today. And of course, behind the wheels of steel is the man, Numpchuck. Justin, who I call the Chuck Meister. Nobody else likes that nickname but me. You like it, though, right? I love it. Okay, well, there we go. As long as you like it, that's all that matters. You're the one that's got to live with it. Uh, we've got a, a lot a planned for you today, and looking forward to that. I just want to let you know beforehand, the T.C. Martin Show is every Monday through Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. here on KSHP, and also streaming live at tcmartinshow.com. If you miss any part of this show or any show, go to tcmartinshow.com under the podcast section. Also, check out the interview page and hear from uh, the great guests go to the current and classic interviews page anytime at tcmartinshow.com and don't forget to come by and see the show other than today live every friday 2 to 4 p.m at the sports book at the westgate las vegas the world's largest sports book home of the giant 4k video wall watch the games in comfort in a non-smoking environment the world famous Superbook at the westgate las vegas marco what's going on man well, trying to stay away from the strip. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to do. Usually the word strip is a good thing. Yeah. Not not this weekend. Not this week. No. <laughs> I appreciate the bells, man. Uh, yeah, no, it's not. And, you know, it's funny because I kind of mentioned it. Everyone's like, man, you go into the Formula One. It's going to be so cool. It's a night in Las Vegas. I'm like, you know, I'm not disagreeing. It's going to be cool. It's a night in Las Vegas. But to answer your question, no, for the first time, I'm going to miss a major event in Las Vegas and not go cover it. I am going to stay away from the strip this weekend. I'm not even going one of the basketball games. I'm just going to spend a weekend away from the strip and recouping. There's no home UNLV football game. No home UNLV basketball game. No Vegas Golden Knights game and the Raiders are on the road. I got a breather, man. I'm going to take it off this weekend. What are you doing, Marco? Well, I'll be watching football like I do uh, every weekend and uh, making uh, some... uh Quite a few bets. <laughs> Who am I kidding? Uh, that's what we do on the weekends. And, you know, there were still good games. Obviously, you know, you talked about you know, UNLV not being in town, but they got a big game this week. They do. Uh, and they Air do. Force has been, you know, rolling. You know, I can't believe long. I'm going to say this, and I don't mean to interrupt you, Marco, but big might be the understatement of the century. I mean, this is a team that hasn't won this many games in three decades. I mean, this is unbelievable. I moved here in 2008, so I haven't experienced all three uh, decades of UNLV football, but this is by far and away the best that we have seen. Nobody really, you know, I liked the coaching hire. I thought it was going to be a, a good one. I thought they were going to improve, but 
honestly, I thought that this is at least a year to two years ahead of schedule. This has been a pleasant surprise, and they're going against an Air Force team that, you know, we'll talk about it later, I'm sure. They uh, ran off the rails the last two weeks. They were cruising along, and then they, you know, lost two in a row, and it's been the turnover bug that's hurt them. We'll see what UNLV can do. But they're going to have to face that old option attack. And that's something that's totally different for most college teams. They don't face, you know, those type of teams all the time. They're tough to defend. Let's see what uh, Barry Odom's got drilled up this week. Yeah, definitely want to talk a little bit about that in, in, in a few here because um, I am excited to see what Barry Odom, talking about him, I never get tired of it. My favorite coach, and as a matter of fact, I, I'm not going to fall in love with him because he's not going to be here long. It's going to be like dating a hot woman that you know is going to leave. I mean, that's what getting excited about Barry Odom, but at least there, there could be a change in culture, which is all we've been asking for here for a long time. I just wanted to let you know, too, joining us in just a short while, about 20 minutes from now, will be Darren Elliott looking Really forward to having Darren on the show. I, I, most of you out there got to know who Darren Elliott is. He is the vice president of hockey programming and facility operations for the Vegas Golden Knights. You see him on all of the Vegas Golden Knights broadcasts. I was watching him last night as the Vegas Golden Knights were in Montreal playing the Canadians. We'll talk about that. And then a little, little later on in the second hour of the show, we'll be joined by uh, the sports director of 8 News Now, a good friend of mine, Chris Mathis, will join the show. And Chris and I were at the on the field at the last uh, UNLV game. We're at every sporting event together. Chris, of course, is down in the mayhem that is Las Vegas Boulevard and F1 right now. Uh, he's purporting every hour. You can see Chris on 8 News Now, and uh, he'll be joining us, like I said, about right around about 3.10 shortly after the beginning of the next hour. Right now, real quickly, Marco, what I wanted to talk about and kick off the hour, the biggest news in, in Las Vegas, maybe the biggest news in, in the country, definitely the biggest news in Major League Baseball, all 30 owners get together yesterday in Arlington, Texas, right across the road from uh, uh, the, the home of the world World Series champion, first time ever, Texas Rangers, which is pretty cool. But um, and they all thirty of them vote to allow the Raiders to relocate, and uh, it's a big story. It's not as big of a story as it is. Everyone anticipated this. No one is sitting there like, "Oh my God, it's happening." We've all known it's been happening for a while. You know what? Well, I don't know what my biggest surprise is. And TC, don't kill me if you're listening or when you listen to broadcasts. But the biggest surprise to me in this whole thing right now is John Fisher's statements after the vote and and i'm just going to read them to you tell me what you what you hear is missing here okay vegas as um it says he was talking about it vegas as the capital he acknowledges vegas is the capital of the world for all forms of entertainment all forms of entertainment right you see it with local fans going to aviators games local fans going to golden knights games and raiders games we are going to be the third major professional sports franchise coming to las vegas is something missing there in John Fisher's? Because in the columns, the columnist Ed Grady mentioned uh, what I'm talking about. Not that John Fisher didn't say it. Nobody mentioned, just kind of put brushed it under the rug. But he kind of neglected. They're all talking about the hype and how great Las Vegas is. There's a two-time champion here in Las Vegas that somehow never came out of his mouth yesterday. Yeah, that's... Uh... A big omission on his part. I'm sure he, re- he regrets that, and uh, he's going to hear about it. I'm sure he already has. He's hearing <laughs> yeah. about it right now. Absolutely. But, uh, you know, you say we know that it was coming, and I'm here. Like, I almost got to the point where I was tired of hearing it's going to happen. Let's get it happening. You know, I don't know. Maybe skeptical. I kept waiting for, you know, Oakland to somehow magically make a, you know, a Stroke of midnight, you know, save to get the team somehow, but we got the team. Now we're all excited. The problem is 
we're not going to have a stadium built for them to actually play here to what, 2028 is when we're going to have the first uh, thing. So yeah, 2028, they're projected to start building it uh, in 2025. April is when they're supposed to break ground on it. Oakland and, of course, uh, uh, they're, they're still talking about finding a way to save it. They're not fully giving up on it. Listen, give up on it. You know how they always say when it comes to age, you know, 50 is the new 40, 60 is the new 50. No one says that till you hit 40 and 50 is when you start saying that when you're 20, you're old. That's all there is to it. But you know what? They're going to hate hearing this. Las Vegas is the new Oakland. <laughs> well, it's definitely. We got two teams here uh, now, and we'll see what happens. But the question's going to be, I know they have one more year on the lease, so they've got that. They have not – they were the lowest-drawing team in Major League Baseball last year, attendance-wise. What are they going to do that those couple bumper years? Are they going to come to Vegas? Are they going to play it, you know – the? the aviators ballpark or are they going to find another home? i mean they can't play at unlv stadium there's no high school stadium ready able to accomplish them they're not going to go back down to cashman field no. there is no other option but but uh the las vegas ballpark it's a beautiful facility maybe the nicest triple a facility in the country mm-hmm. but it's only ten thousand seats but then again the way oakland's been drawing that wouldn't even pack the stadium yeah. you know when you talk about it the a's had an mlb low 57 million dollar payroll to start 2023 and ended the year with the worst record in baseball 50 and 112 that's something that's got to change but you know what's crazy what most people don't realize from 2000 through the start of this past season the a's had the sixth best record overall and were tied for the fifth most playoff appearances in that span with 11 with one of the lowest payrolls and budgets in major league baseball throughout the the 21st century so pretty crazy that uh you know they're coming here we're you know taxpayers are asked to spend to pay 380 million dollars which we are told we're going to be paying the stadium's going to be 1.5 billion dollars and yet it's a losing organization as far as the last couple of years goes, dramatically losing. Marco, how does it stop the bleeding? And is Fisher really going to, when they get this money, they move to Vegas, or they get the stadium, I should say, is he really going to open up the Purse Springs and, and increase the budget as he says he will? Now, you look at some teams that have done that, that have moved to new stadiums, and the success, there have been some in other sports. You move to a new stadium, all of a sudden you start having a whirlwind of success. Is that something that we can expect from the A's when they move to Las Vegas? I think they're going to have to, given all of the examples that you've stated we already have here. We've got the Golden Knights. We saw what they have done. You've got the Las Vegas Aces. And, you know, the Raiders haven't got there yet, but, you know, obviously in the last couple of weeks, things got stirred up with the The stadium's Raiders. still full, yeah. though, because it's football. It's football. It's going to be, and you're only dealing with, you know, Eight, you know, eight or, you know, games a season, you know, nine games uh, with the 17 game schedule sometimes. But what you're going to have here and what they didn't have in Oakland once they get the new stadium, think about the walk up trade on game day. You're, you're going to have so many tourists here in Vegas. That is right on the strip. You're going to be at the Tropicana location. So you're going to have, thousands and thousands of people that you can draw from on a daily basis for, hey, what do you want to do tonight? Oh, look at that. Look at that beautiful stadium down there. Let's just walk up, catch a game. Then you're also going to get the same effect that we have seen with the Golden Knights, and you're seeing at the Raider games, 
And if you remember the first year of the Golden Knights, the arena, T-Mobile, it was 50-50, 60-40 on most nights because you have people that want to see their team. This is a transient city. There's a lot of people from all other parts of the country. Think about when you get the blue bloods of baseball come to town. Who's not going to want to see the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Cubs, you know, teams that draw the Dodgers when they come here? That is going to be a destination. And we talk about it all the time. Where else can you go for a three day weekend where you can gamble? You can see major sporting events. You can eat at some of the best restaurants in the world all in a three day, three day yeah. weekend. That's what's going to make this successful. Now, they have to spend the money. You talk about Oakland's record that they were the sixth best, and that would have actually shocked me because we always have a recency bias. But we forget that this team, you know, go back to the Billy Ball years in, you know, uh, Moneyball and what they were able to accomplish. And me being from a small market city, you know, I moved here from Pittsburgh. You know, my pirates have been dreadful for ever. Okay. And we got that new stadium, PNC Park. And um, it's not me being biased. You talk to anybody that covers baseball around the country. They put PNC Park as one of the top three ballparks in Major League Baseball. That is not translated to me to them spending money and getting a good team. I think the A's are going to be forced to just because of the other teams in town. Yeah, you know, and and I agree. I think that they they will spend the money. I mean, when you look at it, um, you know, uh, the the A's are set to become the first major league brand franchise to move, which is crazy because baseball doesn't have a lot of movement since Montreal did back in two thousand and four and changed their names, as we know, to the Washington Nationals. Um, but as John Fisher said, it was a bittersweet day, and of course, Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, was not happy about it initially. He said that they did everything they could and looked at every option for them to stay in the Bay Area. It just didn't make sense financially, and the fact is there's just no way you could play at the Oakland Almeida Coliseum anymore. They've been there since 1968. I mean, that facility is a dinosaur to the point that pretty soon, if they don't make major reconstruction to that stadium, it's going to be a, be a hazard. It's going to be dangerous. So they're going to have to do something, although I think they will end up renting out that stadium, because if I'm not mistaken, Fisher is like half owners so i believe they will rent out that stadium that's probably where they'll play until 2028 on like a year-to-year lease unless things get untenable then maybe they'll look at possibly playing across you know over where maybe where the giants play that's a that's a viable option i just don't know how the schedules there's got to be a lot of conflicts when you've got 162 games or they could just end up at the Las Vegas ballpark and say, we're just going to eat it for a little while mm-hmm. and uh, until this can happen. But, um, you know, there's been opposition to this as well. You've got, uh, you've got the, the stadium people against the teachers against the stadium right now that mm-hmm. are complaining. And, and I understand they've got viable arguments. Shouldn't these tax dollars be going towards better education in Las Vegas than towards a $1.5 billion major league baseball stadium? No matter what else it's used for, they've got a point. Um, the fact that we are the number 40 television market in the country and there's only 30 teams that means we're not one of the 30 top major markets but as you just pointed out so eloquently 
why Vegas deserves this and why they will step up and make themselves a better, more competitive baseball team. And I do believe that even though Billy Bean's not the president, he's still involved. And uh, hopefully they'll leave him alone with the analytics and just start giving him more money to spend. And I think <laughs> that'll make everyone a lot happier with that. But I think this is something that is going to be good for it. I think when all is said and done, it hasn't been 110% cemented yet, Marco. But I got to believe it is going to be the Tropicana site where the hotel is that will be where the stadium eventually goes it makes the whole the makes the most sense and the way they're configuring the stadium people will be able to look the fans will be able to see the vegas strip which was also part of the appeal of allegiant stadium although when i talk about allegiant stadium talk for another time i don't know why the, the hell they never open it up they said we've got an open-ended stadium yeah. we've had some beautiful days and you don't open the damn thing up we would never know it here yeah. but what do you think do you think it is going to be on that site and that being said do you think because of the climate in Las Vegas, in the desert, that that will be a retractable roof stadium. You're going to have to do, because you know what it's like here in July. I mean, I I love winters in Vegas, okay? <laughs> Coming from Pittsburgh, absolutely love it. I still, and I've been here 13 years, I dread the month of July, okay? I don't like it. It's, you know... 110 plus for like a three week stretch every year. You're going to have to have something there. And it does make sense for it to be at that location. Now I can tell you this much. I don't know if I be, will be wanting to drive on Tropicana anymore. We just got a taste of it in the last oh couple Lord. months of what the congestion has been there. And, you know, I don't know what side of town you come from, but I come from the West side. And when I was going to the hockey games last year and through the playoff run, all of the games, it was not fun getting to T-Mobile. And I'm on the up. other side. I'm on the East side. So a little bit slightly easier for me. And um, I'm going to agree with you. It is definitely tough. But I'll tell you, when you talk to fans or people that have that have transplanted here from New York, from L.A., from Chicago, maybe even some of my friends from Detroit, mm -hmm. they'll tell you. Hey man, welcome, welcome to our world when you talk about traffic, right? We've been yeah. so, even though there's constant construction, people, mm. there's gonna, there's constant construction everywhere. Every place, you, a major city you go to, man, if there's always construction, mm. it's because there is a lot of traveling done on roads and weather obviously affects asphalt over right. time. So you're going to have construction always, but we see it in Vegas, but even with the major construction few years back with the spaghetti bowl, what they're doing now on Tropicani, it pales in comparison to what you drive on a normal workday in Los Angeles, California. You know, if you could work, 30 minutes from home, but it's a two-hour commute back and forth because of traffic. So no one's going to feel sorry for us for now our little traffic issues here in Vegas. The cool thing, though, is is the presence of these teams. There is no question the NBA is going to soon follow. Mm -hmm. We're already hearing rumblings of that. I predicted, and I was dead wrong, I said the NBA years ago would be the first franchise that came to Vegas, and that was the day that Adam Silver became commissioner of the mm -hmm. NBA because he's so much more of an advocate of Las Vegas and understands sports wagering much more than David Stern ever did. He did not like Las Vegas and 2007 was not indicative of what you're going to see mm -hmm. here in the future although that is what I believe held up the NBA as the debacle during the All-Star weekend here that killed the, the NBA coming to Vegas and why they're trailing a little bit behind but in five years we will have all the majors here. Absolutely and I 
believe that when the NBA does give the expansion team, if we get a team, I think it's going to be one of those where I think Seattle's going to come as well. I think we're, there's going to be two teams added to the NBA. I think Seattle's going to get a Well, team Seattle's there. definitely going to get a franchise. Okay. I mean, that market deserves one. I was shocked years ago when the Sonics left. The Supersonics were right. a, a, a really popular franchise. Gary Payton, Jack Sigma, right. some great players have come through there. And yet, uh, they're, 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 they, they, they let them go, but they'll have a, they'll have a franchise again and Vegas will have one. And I think it's really, really cool what we're seeing here in Vegas. I mean, I don't think it's not that it's uncool Formula One. It's funny because one of the drivers on, if you saw, I don't know if you got a chance to see the review journal today, but one of the drivers on the front page of the review journal is complaining and saying, you know, it's, he says it's 99% entertainment, 1% F1 race. And he's like, I'm a Formula One racer. I don't give a crap about any of this stuff. I'm concerned about the race and i guess the very first practice session yesterday was stopped because one of the drivers hit a manhole cover that wasn't properly covered and they had to stop practice now they said they were going to have a second session at midnight i'm not aware whether that took place or not i was asleep did it did it, it took place from 2 to 4 a.m two, were you there no you, were, you, were, you were where i was right yeah. not in the same place but doing what i was doing i, I was in bed yeah i was studying i was studying the back of my eyelids at yeah. that point in time so so uh yeah I, so it did take place obviously they fixed the covers they said they were going to go around at that point and recheck every single manhole cover to make sure the pro because i mean one little thing like i mean learning about i used to follow indy years ago and i interviewed years ago a driver who i loved they always call, he was always a bridesmaid tom sneva mm. and tom sneva always seemed to finish second he's got like four second place finishes at the indianapolis 500 but he, he corrected me on a couple of things one he said that um to stop calling them cars. They are not automobiles. They are machines. And he said, number two is, why do you say that? Why, why did they, cause they, they, at the race, one of the IndyCar races I went to, they had stopped the race because of debris. And it was like small paper debris. And he said, that can be catastrophic when you're going 200 miles an hour on a racetrack. A piece of paper can end your life. Yeah. And I thought, okay, you know, I can't argue with that, but that is why it is so important that these courses are scrubbed taken care of covers are covered because one little glitch of stone can be the end of somebody's life absolutely and you know the statement though about 99 percent, you know show let's be realistic that's it's what it's that's what vegas is and that's you know why they you know they wanted it uh you know it's going to be good for TV, not for people, you know, on the East Coast that want to watch this race. Cause, you know, we're complaining about races starting at, you know, 10 PM at night. Uh, I just came back from the East Coast last week and I just remembered how bad it is to watch sports on the East Coast when I was trying to watch the UNLV game on Friday night last week. And that game starting at, you know, what was it? 10 or 1030 East Coast time. I, I'm in bed. Before the start of the third quarter, I'm sorry, uh, I I couldn't uh, hang the whole game. Plus, I had to get up early to go to the uh, Penn State Michigan game uh, the following oh, morning. I'm jealous, yeah. It uh, uh, that was another subject that we're going to talk about yeah. down the road. Justin showed me some pretty cool stuff. Uh, it's actually a camera view of them driving around the Vegas track, and he showed me the manhole. Cover. That's the actual one it hit. You can just, oh, you see the a bump. Little bump. Wow, so it's from his helmet cam. They're showing when the actual hit. They're from his car cam, but yeah, it's pretty, pretty intense. You see a quick yeah. bump, and man, that, and he's not going full out right there. If he had been, that could have been catastrophic. Um, but, uh, 
Uh, listen, we are. I, I just realized we are running a little bit late for a break, so let's take that because we get we're coming back on the other side with Darren Elliott. Um, I am looking forward to, as I mentioned, uh, seeing what the race itself. I'll see yeah. it on television. I am looking forward to that. Not to downplay it at all. I think it's really cool. I th- think it speaks volumes for the respect Vegas is getting internationally right. by all sports, and that's really really cool. Something I think all of us now that consider ourselves, you know, Vegas locals. I mean, I've been here since two thousand two. I guess I'm a mm-hmm. lo- two thousand four. I'm a local now, but um, I like seeing. All this listen again we're going to take a break you are listening to the tc martin show i am brian feldman pinch hitting for tc martin i am joined today by handicapper marco d'angelo and also uh producing the show is justin tuck we appreciate you listening we will be back on the other side coming back to you with the vice president of hockey programming and facility operations for the vegas golden knights darren elliott all that and more on your way right after this hey everyone this is carnell aka golden pipes and i want to welcome you back to the tc martin show and welcome back to the tc martin show we are live at kshb 1400 a.m here every monday through friday 2 to 4 p.m Streaming live at tcmartinshow.com. Once again, I am Brian Feldman. Coming off the bench, coming out of the penalty box for T.C. Martin. Joined by co-host Marco D'Angelo. Great uh, sports handicapper and a great guy. And, of course, Justin Tuck behind the wheels of steel here producing the show. If you miss any part of this show or any show, go to tcmartinshow.com. Under the podcast section, also check out the interview page and hear from the great guests. Go to the current and classic interview pages anytime at tcmartinshow.com. Don't forget to come by normally every Friday from 2 to 4 at the Superbook at the Westgate Las Vegas, the world's largest sports book, home of the giant 4K video wall. Watch the games in comfort in a non-smoking environment, the world-famous Superbook at the Westgate Las Vegas and no more further ado well let's get him right on right now coming off of uh I I, I gotta believe I know he's on the road somewhere because he was in Montreal last night but we're, we've got on the air with us right now Darren Elliott is the vice president of hockey programming and facility operations for the Vegas Golden Knights you hear him on almost every Vegas Golden Knights broadcast if you watch the game against Montreal you heard him then Darren appreciate taking some time out to join the show today oh thanks for having me on and actually when the game, team's on the road we don't always travel. We have a studio at uh, City National Arena, so Millard and I were there. Uh, we're in town. So, oh, look! Uh, at that. I would have never known. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They uh, built a studio a couple years ago, and uh, we do the road games mostly from here. Um, but again, it's it's pretty seamless the way they do it production wise. No, that's really cool, and it makes 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 life a lot more easy for you guys. Uh, you know, on the road, and and th- like I just told somebody right before I came to the studio, someone's like, you know, yeah, they won last night, good comeback win, but you know, they're two and three in their last five games. And my response was, I'm not going to respond. Are you kidding me? I mean, they're just fine for God's sakes. But uh, you know. Th- I think last night was an important win for them again. You know, as you get some of the guys back and, 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 and healthy, this team is as deep as any team in the National Hockey League, Darren. And, and I'm just telling you something that, of course, you know real well. But um, I'm not concerned at all. But I do think last night was a real nice way to come back and win the game. It's just five goals is a lot. But then again, I will never discredit Aiden Hill with the way he came on last year. Plus, with two seconds to go in that game, as you pointed out in the post game, my God, did he make a hell of a save to, to cement the win and prevent them from having to go to overtime. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, I, I agree with you, it was important. I mean, uh, Jonathan Marshall so scored, that's always important to get him rolling because he hasn't gone on a, a rip yet, and we know he's, he's very streaky, and that's, that's not a knock, that's just the way when he gets going, he gets feeling good. So I, I would I would think he might have a, a you know a, the back half of this road trip. He's a guy to watch out for. Good for him to score. 
And then the special teams carried them, right? You got three power play goals uh, and a shorty. Um, doesn't get much better than that. So they got healthy um, and yet another way to win. Um, and, you know, Mark Stone said it best afterwards, and, and it shows how far this this group has come. And when I say the group, it, that includes the coaching staff, the trust back and forth between the locker room and the coaches. And he goes, you know, he talked to it. He goes, yeah, Butch, he's going to have to understand that every game isn't going to be two to one, one, nothing. We're going to have to find other ways to win. Sometimes it's going to be a, a different kind of game. And so far they've checked every kind of box, any kind of game you want to play. Uh, they can hold their own certainly as champions. I don't mind seeing 80s style hockey where I'm seeing 11 goals in a game. I mean, to me, that's a lot of fun, man. I like goals. And this team, as you mentioned, special teams is so special for the Vegas Golden Knights yeah. right now. I know how much emphasis Bruce Cassidy puts on special teams play. But when you look at their top four scorers right now, one of them, of course, being a defenseman, no shock that Shea Theodore is in that category, one of the best two-way defensemen in the National Hockey League. But William Carlson and Jack Eichel and Mark Stone all have as many or more points as games played this season so far. Love seeing Carlson get off to the same kind of start he did in 2017 when he had that magical run and scored 43 goals. And I love seeing this in him. Jack Eichel is, be, is becoming, since that injury, the person everyone in the player, everyone here had hoped he would become. Mark Stone, sure. I don't think you could have ever found a better initial guy to put that C on his sweater than Mark Stone. And Shea Theodore, as I mentioned, one of the best two-way defensemen in the game. And then we're not even talking about guys like Jonathan Marchessault or, or Alex Petrangelo or Braden McNabb, who, yeah, Braden McNabb had a bad giveaway last night, but he also scored his first goal and is showing that he is also a guy capable of offense with all the assists he's had this year. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, you know, just that just that rundown, Brian, it, it shows the depth you, you spoke of initially. I mean, that's a deep team. And it's not just, you know, again, it's not just a, a bunch of players who have good resumes. They're at the right times in their careers together. You know, that's often overlooked, right? It's like, oh, yeah, they're an aging team. Or they're, they're, they're mostly the guys you just talked about. In their prime, maybe the back part of their prime, um, like on the Marshes so and guys like that. But there's also guys just entering their prime or one, what, what's considered your prime, 26, 27, 28, Stone and Eichel. Um, Carlson, to me, uh, last year could have been a, a Smythe candidate. I, I thought his, his playoffs in terms of his production was, was fantastic. That, that's obvious. But he was out there against the opposition's top offensive players most series and to do both i thought he was uh was outstanding oh no no question about it i thought there were four different guys darren that could have won the con Smythe last yeah, year i mean right. jack eichel you know jonathan march so deserving but you mentioned william carlson aiden hill there's no right. question that they were scratching their head you're talking about a guy that was an afterthought of the san jose sharks a year ago and a guy <laughs> that uh that that when uh, you know i my my producer on my show on fox is chris chapman who you know you know chris and he's in the locker room all the time and and when i told him we were, we were discussing okay well now that we know that letters on the shelf who are they going to get to back up you know logan thompson I means his first year is they got to get somebody right so I, I brought up a few names and i'd thrown up aiden hill and chris goes we don't want him 
And I'm like, yeah, but, you know, and a week later, Chris goes, well, I stand corrected. We got him. I'm like, well, he's going to be the backup. You know, they got Laurent Brossois should be healthy in a couple weeks. They'll be okay. Who could have ever saw this coming? And then as I did my due diligence on Aiden Hill, I realized that at every level, all the way back to like peewee and bantam hockey, he has been a late bloomer, a guy that starts slow and then all of a sudden, look out, he has his presence. And when you've got an imposing figure with a guy the size of Aiden Hill that starts playing lights out hockey, you're talking about a potential potentially great hockey goaltender. And you would know all about that because that's the position you played. Position I played, I didn't play it at the great level, but certainly... Uh, hey, you played for my Red Wings for a couple of years, well, I, and that's I what I care about. Certainly recognize greatness. Um, and Aiden Hill, the, the, more importantly, uh, Sean Burke was one who recommended Aiden Hill. He'd worked with him in Arizona. Um, and, and again, being a big body goaltender himself, uh, th- there was some... Uh, strategic things that he saw in his game, uh, thought highly of him. Uh, he, he had done his due diligence, had worked with him, and you can tell how it, how Aiden Hill has refined his game uh, in a, a much better environment uh, with, with the structure and, and the talent um, on this team compared to what uh, he had dealt with both in Arizona and San Jose. So uh, it, it really a good fit for a lot of reasons. Uh, including Sean Burke uh, and his astute assessment of, of what Aiden Hill could become. Darren Marco here. I got a question for you. And yeah. This comes from my handicapping side of the ledger for yeah. me is what I do. Uh, I like to look at situational stuff a lot. And mm-hmm. you're a guy, you've played in the league, you've right. traveled with the team, you're not traveling on this particular road trip. But when you have a road trip like the Golden Knights have right now, it's a five-game right. road trip, you've got three games in four nights uh, coming up, you started it last night, you got tonight yep. off, but then you have that back-to-back against Philadelphia and then my uh, hometown team, the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's a tough schedule, only to have after that weekend of Philly and Pittsburgh, they got to go to Dallas. And we know, you know, I mean, Dallas, the the history of, you know, last year in the playoffs – Obviously, sure. the coach situation there in everything. Mm-hmm. How do you navigate something like that? That you know that you stay focused for all of these games, and somewhere there's got to be a look ahead game and a letdown game. How do you avoid those? Well, I think one of the things on this trip, right? You, you had you had a game, and then you had it, like it was. It's kind of drawn out. Um, the the, the Philly Pittsburgh back to back. Um, because of the times of the, the puck drops, um, and that there's not much travel between Philly and Pittsburgh, as you know, then. Yeah. So, so you know, you have a one o'clock game in Philly, you get into Pittsburgh at, at a really good time, good meal, no problem. And I think the Pittsburgh might be like a six o'clock puck drop. So, so from a, a wear and tear on the body, not arduous at all because of the proximity. Philly to Pitt and, and, and the puck drop times. Um, you know, it's not like you played a night game and then an afternoon game, uh, you know, something like that. Um, and then Dallas, it, 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 you're not going to look beyond it because that, you know, that, that, that gets your spider senses tingling, right? It, it's like that, that's one of the teams you want to, it's one of the top teams. So you're going to be ready as a team and you're going to be well rested. Um, there, there could be, the only thing that happens, can you get flat for that Dallas game? Cause you've been on the road for a long time 
And there's, you know, I think there's a couple of days in between that, you know, them playing in, and then playing in Dallas. So, um, you know, it's, it's kind of a drawn out process because they, they, and they fit in the, uh, the White House visit. Um, and, and the front part of it's kind of, okay, Washington and Montreal, it's kind of wonky that way. So it, there might be some road weariness just because you've been on the road for so long, but the trip itself, isn't as demanding as you might think. Yeah, you know, that's it, it, road trips are always tedious, and this is the first one for the Vegas Golden Knights. I think it was kind of good for them to get out of town mm-hmm. for a minute, catch the catch their collective breath where they get a chance to all spend that amount of time together. I think it's always right. good for a team to get that camaraderie in, and it's a tough it's a tough game. I was worried last game because coming off of that loss to Washington, I thought, you know, well, they're going into Montreal. Even though Montreal's 500, they've been playing – they started the season playing really subpar, and I thought uh, – I was worried it could be a trap game. And then when it started, they, the first two, they get, they go up two to nothing. I'm like, Oh no, this is not what we need. And that's why I thought it was huge for Vegas to kind of catch their, like, wait a minute. What's going on here? Let's start playing hockey. And they did. And especially in the third period, you saw Aiden Hill come to life when he had to the most. And that just shows his prowess and ability. Um, what do you think? And, and you, we talked about a window a little bit ago. Um, and before I let you yeah. go, Darren, a couple things you talk about window. What is the Vegas Golden Knights productivity window at this level? Do you think I know Jonathan March, though, one of the elder statesmen now, I think 32, maybe turning 33 this year. But a lot of those guys are in their prime or the tail end of their prime. What do you think the window is for them to be able to compete at this level, basically for a Stanley Cup? Well, I mean, you're looking at, like I said, if you look at that 26 to 34 um, and how many you returned, 22 players, I believe, that, that played last year. Uh, the, the highest percentage of, of returning uh, players to a Stanley Cup team um, in, in the cap era. Uh, so, so management has has dialed all of that stuff in. Uh, hiccups along the way, sure, it happens. But mostly, uh, like you said, the right people at the right time. Um, Mark Stone, um, Kelly McCrimmon knew him from junior. Jack Eichel, a reach, but not really because they know they knew what they lack was a, a, a legitimate number one center in the league. Um, goaltending has come together and the defense is rock solid. And you bring in a, a coach that, that has a, a, a real clear vision of how to play defense and get the puck to your forwards. Um, and it, it, it all comes together. So to me, it's, it's, there, there's no, there's no imminent drop off in, in my mind. And I don't want to put a number on it, but, um, we'll be having this conversation, uh, you know, hopefully over you know the next several seasons, I, and I don't see why not. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. Um, and the, one of the things I wanted to say, and you know, I knew when he first came in, when I heard that George McPhee was going to be the initial, initial yeah. general manager, I'm like, wow, we got ourselves a really good one. I'm, I'm a huge yep. hockey enthusiast and, uh, I will not forget that he helped Herbie Brooks construct that team in 1980 yep. in the Miracle on Ice. This guy just understands talent. And then a guy like Kelly McCrimmon, a lot of people were a little bit surprised initially when George McPhee stepped aside, McCrimmon steps in and, uh, we didn't see a drop off and I tell people this all the time when they say what do you think of this move or what do you think of that move I say listen far be it for me to ever 
question anything George <laughs> McPhee or Kelly McPhee. I am not qualified. It is way above my pay grade. I'm going to let Hockey Minds do what Bill Foley does and let Hockey Minds do what they do. And it has worked out really, really well here in Las Vegas. Uh, just super, super uh, happy about everything that is in place here. And the Vegas Golden Knights have set a new standard, in my opinion, for NFL fran- or, excuse me, NHL franchises. Yeah. As, as I told people the first year, it was like I went to a Vegas show and a hockey game broke out. I mean, and, and not just a <laughs> hockey game, usually a good hockey game, which is pretty cool. Right. Finally, I got to ask you personally, Darren, what's going on with you? I know that there's a new venture. The Pepsi Ice Arena here is now going under the 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 um the leadership or guidance of the Vegas Golden Knights. I know you've kind of taken that over. So another ice yep. rink, everything hockey. And I say that the way I became knowledgeable is one of my very good friends. You almost employed her. She's one of the managers over at the Pepsi Ice Rink. Jessica, you probably know who I'm talking about. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, I'm just telling you straight up that, uh, that this girl, she drives a Zamboni. I told her years ago when the Vegas Golden Knights first came to town, you might be the first female Van Zamboni driver in the NHL. Why don't you go after that job? She didn't want to do it. She's a very humble, modest person. Like, a little cute girl driving a Zamboni? You'd be the hit of the NHL. Just food for thought, Darren, <laughs> when you're talking to people, because she does drive yeah. a Zamboni. So, no, so, I know. I know. I think... She she has uh, a lot of time vested uh, with Stations Casino. She does. I believe she's she should, so I believe she has a position. I talked to her face to face yesterday. I'm actually sitting in the front lobby at uh, at the arena right now. We've been cleaning all day. Um, you know, we just uh, Agora Properties is going to develop this whole area, uh, 72 acres. Um, eventually, uh, a, a new uh, Two new sheets of ice and a training facility, um, a field house, and we didn't want to lose the ice. Um, so we came in and we became partners with them to to manage the, the facility for the next, you know, couple of seasons until the other rinks are ready. Um, so we've got uh, some tender loving care to give to to the building first, um, but we're in a management position to to help Agora uh, keep uh, keep whatever. I think right now the uh, working name is Ice Arena at Hilo Park. <laughs> There go. Uh, as, uh, as, cumber- as cumbersome as that is, but that's just a placeholder until we get uh, get it named. But yeah, we're uh, we've been uh, mopping floors and doing all kinds of the, the stuff behind the scenes here today. I'm really glad they're keeping the rink up. I think as many rinks as possible. It is so cool. I can't say a resurgence. I have to say a discovery of hockey in Las Vegas. You're seeing all these players come out. I know that uh, that, uh, Jason, I can't think of his last name right now, but it came out of Vegas, and you're going to see a lot of other players coming out. Yeah, Yeah, JJ's a a tremendous player, an all-star, and you're going to see many other players be coming out of Las Vegas in the future because of the ice rinks and what the Vegas Golden Knights have done here in Las Vegas. To me, they united a community, and I don't think anyone that was here at the time, Darren, in, in October 1st of 2017, yeah. with one of the biggest tragedies in American history, definitely the biggest tragedy in Las Vegas history, the Vegas Golden Knights were more than a band-aid for this city, man. They were a cure. And not that we'll ever fully get over something like that, but they truly united a community. What they did was nothing short of miraculous. And then to see a run like that, I, you know, I will tell you straight up. Chris Chapman and I looked at each other in Game Five when they won, and, and when they when they won the Stanley Cup this year, we looked at each other, and both of us had tears in our eyes. That's how it meant to, much it meant to us, just as members of the media, my friend. That's how cool yep. I think this whole thing was. That's yeah, fantastic. Yeah, for me, I, uh, I I enjoyed it as well. I've been in the NHL in various uh, capacities for 39 years. Never been on a championship team, and it was special. 
Well, we really appreciate it coming off. Now, now I don't feel as bad. I think I, I had to get you from Montreal and on the road, but I, I still appreciate you taking time out of your day, knowing you've got this venture going and all kinds of stuff on the broadcast last night. You can hear him all the time. Once again, it is Darren Elliott. He is, um, again, the uh, vice president of hockey programming and facility operations for the Vegas Golden Knights. Really, really appreciate your time. You bet, right? You too, Marco. Thank you, guys. And absolutely. Again, great guy, Darren Elliott. You know, and these are the kind of people, Marco, that the Vegas Golden Knights have employed for the most part. Mm-hmm. Hockey minds, former hockey players. Mm-hmm. You know, a guy like Sean Burke, who we mentioned, the goaltender coach for the Vegas Golden Knights. Mm-hmm. A tremendous job he does developing goaltenders. And when you talk to guys like Aiden Hill, um, you know, you, you'll hear how much a guy like Sean Burke means to him. I mean, they have a history together, but ask Logan Thompson and you'll see the respect in his face. Ask Yuri Patera who came up last year and the little guidance that he got. But that is the type of people that the Vegas Golden Knights implored, employ. And you know, sports is sports. I remember this town, you know, they were ready to commit mutiny when Marc-Andre Fleury got let go and when Gerard Gallant wasn't going to be the and we're going to hire the Sharks coach, the team that screwed us last year in the playoffs. <laughs> you know, the thing is, is this is hockey. This is professional sports. And again, anybody out there that is questioning the mind or the decision-making of Kelly McCrimmon or George McPhee, you're making a big mistake. First, do your due diligence on those two guys. See what their minds are in hockey, what they've accomplished over their careers before you make any judgments. The right people are in the right places for the Vegas Golden Knights. Thus, Stanley Cup champions last year, and right now, the front runners and the favorites to do it again. Absolutely. And as far as the fan base, you know, we never had a sports, you know, I came from a sports town in Pittsburgh, obviously, but here the fans didn't have it. They didn't know how to handle success and that it is a business that players are going to go. And, you know, I, I was a big Mark Andre Fleury fan. There's no question. I was on, you know, the radio shows I did for two months before the expansion draft screaming that has to be the first pick of the draft because there was never ever a goalie left unprotected of his quality in an expansion draft in NHL history. No, you're 100% right. You know, it's funny. Matter of fact, if you remember, Justin, I sat here on this show a few years back and I said when I was filling in for T.C. Martin that uh, Marc-Andre Fleury would not be a Vegas Golden Knight next year. And this is before they let him go. And everyone is like, oh, my God, we're, how can you say that? Like, my friend, I'm like, listen. The gaffe he just made against Montreal in the Western Conference Finals will absolutely echo for his career unless he gets out of here. He will be judged and remembered on that because he cost them. The uh, The bottom line is he doesn't make that gaffe. They probably go to the finals. Now, they could have lost to, and probably would have lost to Tampa Bay. They were a juggernaut that year. But they should have gone to their third Stanley Cup final that year. would have been their second. And they didn't because of a terrible gaffe by Marc-Andre Fleury that cannot be forgotten or overstated. You don't make a mistake like that in the Western Conference final when you're a Hall of Fame goaltender. It's just that simple. So I said by him getting out of town, the fans will all jump on the flurry. Oh, how can you let him go? And they'll forget about the gaffe. His statue will still get erected in a couple years in front of T-Mobile Arena. But if you keep him and he doesn't play Will, which he has not since he's left here, 
there is going to be a problem and he will it will tarnish the legacy of Mark andre Fleury in Las Vegas. It was the best thing for him to get out of here. Now he's long forgotten. People have Aiden Hill flags up in their yards. That's professional sports and the same with Gerard Gallant. Gerard Gallant is a player's coach. He was the perfect inaugural coach for this team. Not just because he's a former Detroit Red Wing, because he was. But I think the Vegas Golden Knights, after their second season, needed to elevate beyond a player's coach. A more known nonsense guy like a Pete DeBoer. He fit in good there, but Pete DeBoer underachieved in my opinion and in, in the opinion of the brass as well. And now they've got the guy in place. Yes, Bruce Cassidy didn't win a Stanley Cup in Boston, but he did win one here. And I think everyone that knew Bruce Cassidy saw his mind or his coaching, Marco, knew that this guy was eventually going to lead a team to the promised land. And the players bought into his system 100%. With what they did, and he, his system is very goalie friendly. Uh, you know, because they play defense in front of the, of the goaltender, and it made the, all of our goaltenders the whole way down the line. We had five goaltenders last year. That'll never be duplicated in hockey again. To have five guys contribute to a Stanley Cup victory. I mean, it was. Next man up every, every every single time. This team is next. I mean, you know, in, in sports, I've always heard of the term in professional sports, if you want to be a successful franchise, a franchise that wins consistently, you have got to be able to do something called plug and play. And that means next man up, as Marco just said, because people are going to get hurt at any sport. For God's sakes, in bowling, they dislocate their thumbs. I mean, every sport has potential injuries, especially the four majors here in the United States. There's injuries that are associated with them in every season, and you've got to be able to overcome them. The one and only season the Golden Knights did not make the postseason, I will give them the excuse it was due to injuries. They had more injury. If they would have made the playoffs last year, that year, they, that would have been, they would have made the playoffs with, as a team having the most man injury hours of any team in NHL history had they done it. And they literally got down to the second to last game of the season before they were eliminated. That's how well they played with injuries. Now this team, Marco, is so deep. I mean, it blows my mind that you've got guys, you probably have five or six guys in Henderson playing with the Silver Knights that would be on rosters on other NHL teams starting as high as maybe the number two line with some of these guys, and yet they can't even see the ice. Guys last year like Paul Cotter couldn't even get into the postseason because this team is so deep and so talented. That's the aftermath of having injuries because you it creates depth on your team because players get playing time that they would not have gotten. And let's not... The trade deadline last year, the moves that were made at the trade deadline was at, you know, Barbashoff. That, that to me was the key, the key move for us. And I'm glad that, you know, again, we saw one guy go that was a fan favorite, but I'm glad we were able to keep him because to younger, me, as equally talented offensively, it's not more so. And the, let's be realistic. Riley Reed was not a physical hockey player. Yeah. Riley Reed could. Uh, uh, Riley Smith. Reed. How about Riley Smith? I'm talking about a, a porn star, yeah. and I apologize <laughs> about that. Riley Smith. Riley Smith truly had one of the, uh, you know, one of the greatest, uh, you know, greatest demeanors of any Golden Knight. Was a leader inside the locker mm. room, outside. Deservedly wore one of the very first letters ever given to a, a hockey player mm. in Las Vegas. Deserved that as well, but. He was not a physical presence. He was a guy that could take the physicality of the game, but he didn't distribute it. Ivan Barbashev is a guy that takes it and distributes it and is equally, in my opinion, 
offensively talented. It was a great move. And also four and a half years younger than mm-hmm. Riley Smith. All those things added up. But I think the Vegas Golden Knights fan base is getting acclimated with the National Hockey League because you didn't hear nearly the whining that you heard when as other players left, like Ryan Reeves. Yeah. I mean, Ryan Reeves was a guy they needed. He fit the bill, but he was completely offensively inept. He had some goals in the Stanley yeah. Cup playoffs. That happens. Yeah. But the bottom line is Keegan's Colasar might not have been as as physically gifted as far as fighting goes as Ryan Reeves, but he's a guy that can mix it up, not scared of anybody. And Keegan Colasar does have more, is a little bit more offensively gifted. And then you got got other guys like Nicholas Haig, Nicholas Wad that are big guys that are starting to mix it up as well. But the cool thing is the Vegas Golden Knights fan base, Marco, is 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 getting hockey now. Absolutely, you got to learn. You know, you got to walk before you can run. And fan base is learning how to enjoy hockey, and uh, it's fun. It's fun to watch it grow. I love that you said walk before you run. The Vegas Golden Knights started walking. They never had to crawl. Usually yeah. it's crawl before yeah. you walk. They never had to crawl. They came here walking yeah. and, as a matter of fact, turned it into a sprint pretty quickly. Listen, you are listening to the T.C. Martin Show. I'm Brian Feldman. He's Marco D'Angelo. Behind the big board is the Tuckmeister, known as uh, Justin Tuck, the real name behind the guy. We appreciate him and everyone else. We're going to take a quick break now. On the other side, we'll be back with the second hour, which we are going to have Chris Matt. Matthew, sports director at 8 News Now, and T.C. Martin will join the show at the bottom of the hour for the best bets. We'll see you in a minute. your daily prescription from the doctor. He is electrifying. T.C. Martin. Is this for real? Oh my goodness. Can he do it twice? T.C. Martin. Can you believe it? Even a little Dion strut to the end zone. 101 yards. Goodbye. Cordero Patterson, the ninth time in his NFL career. The house call on a kick. The T.C. Martin show. In. There, I did it. I'm echoing. As you can see, the doctor is not in. The doctor's out. I am uh, going to bat for the doctor today. Pinch hitting, as I said, coming out of the penalty box. What else can we say? Coming off the bench. This is Brian Feldman. I am host of Out of Line on Fox Sports Radio every Sunday morning, 8 to 9. That's just barely down the dial. Come check me out this uh 
this Sunday. Should have a good show. I am joined in studio right now by Marco D'Angelo, well-known uh, handicapper here in Vegas. Great guy. And uh, you can follow Marco on Twitter at Marco in Vegas. So definitely check him out there. Uh, also, Justin Tuck behind the wheels of steel. And uh, he said, I'm not allowed to call him the fryer. Not, I can't call it. All right, no, I can't call them. I, I thought Friar Tux, I was hearing the ad, and I thought, man, the Friar's a really good name, but then people might take that out of context with so many dispensaries in Las Vegas and be associating him in a different way than the main the name was meant to, Marco. So oh, bro, go. I'm low-key faded, bro. <laughs> I think he might be able to go for both uh, sponsorships there. I don't know. <laughs> I noticed there was something caught in his beard. I'm not sure what that is. There's not really anything that I but I knew he'd grab at his beard. Uh, hey, real quickly, you know, we're talking about Vegas, the Vegas Golden Knights, and again, I want to thank Darren uh, Elliot for joining the show. Just a great guy, really cool. And Darren, if you're out there, take my advice, man. Put Jessica on a Zamboni at T-Mobile Arena. I'm just telling you, man. Pay her the money. Put her on the Zamboni. All right, enough of that. Uh, the UNLV. Now, basketball team just got started. Thank God they had a second game against Stenson because the first game, I want to forget, it was the worst college basketball game I have ever seen live in my life, the game against Southern. UNLV, 21.5-point favorites, lost by double digits, almost lost by 20 points. It was repulsive, disgusting, but they turned it around. I actually had Kevin Kruger on my show last Sunday, talked about it. Uh, we did see a different team. Uh, they played defense in Game 2, something that was non-existent in Game 1. But UNLV basketball is not the talk of the town right now, Marco. It is the gridiron it is the unlv rebel football team that is right now eight and two the best team they've had in over three decades the best coach maybe they've ever had i know there's been some good ones here harvey hyde who does a show here john robinson there's been some guys who've coached unlv decently bobby Houck took him to a uh, a bowl game back in 2012 13 uh 2013 but i don't know that there's ever been a better one than the guy at the helm right now barry odom we've only got a 10-game sample size right now with two games to play. This guy, it is infectious. Not maybe as much as the coronavirus, but I've caught the fever of Barry Odom. This guy is for real. He's good. And like I said, I'm looking at him as a very hot woman. I'll date him, but I won't fall in love with him because I know I'll get dumped eventually. Barry Odom, I just can't see him lasting here for too long. But let's talk about right now. This guy is kicking ass and taking names. He is. I mean, this is a team that's got two losses. One of the losses was to Michigan, you know, understandable. And the other loss is a game that they really could have won. They had the opportunity to tie that game late in the fourth quarter, lose by seven to the team at the moment that was the class of, you know, the Mountain West Conference. Fresno State w was playing well all year. The other team that was the class of the Mountain West Conference is the opponent they're going to play this week. Air Force was rolling along. Uh, Air Force had been good to me this year. I had been on Air Force several times laying the, the number with them, and I never really had a problem in the games that I, I laid the points. And people go, why do you want to lay points with a team that's going to run the football? You know, you know why? Because when it's the fourth quarter and I'm trying to avoid the backdoor cover from the other team, I got a team trying to run out the clock that does what they do best is running the football. You can extend the lead. How many times do you see passing teams get a lead and then they, they try to shut it down and milk clock in the fourth quarter and all of a sudden they're not a running team and it's three and out and the other team gets the ball back. That's why I like you know, the ranking. But Air Force, the last two weeks, very uncharacteristic. This is a team that took care of the football all year long. Uh, only had one game in which they had more than one turnover until the last two weeks. 10 turnovers in the last two games. That is what's done them in. They've scored three and 13 points. 
against not very good teams. This I mean, is a the, team that three weeks ago, Marco, was nationally ranked. Yes. You know, they you don't lose. see Mountain West teams in football get nationally ranked, and they were, and they've just gone into the tank the last two weeks, as you said, lo- giving the football away. Yeah. The, going to Hawaii and losing in Hawaii, that game, you know, the Army game, you've got, you know, Hawaii. the commander in chief. You know, it's a I said Fresno, I mean, San Jose State, it was Hawaii, which is worse that yeah, they lost. Hawaii, to. that game is, un, you know, did they get caught looking ahead to UNLV this week? Maybe, but you give up the football four times in that, in a game like that, you're not going to, you're not going to win, uh, because they're not built to come from behind with the running game the way they have it. So this is going to be a test for UNLV. And like I said, they're not an easy team to defend. You know what's going to be coming. You're going to be looking at 50 plus rushing attempts <laughs> coming at you yep. with, you know, the option and we'll see how well UNLV is prepared. But on the flip side, Air Force hasn't seen an offense like UNLV's either. Uh, the, this is, I am, what I'm more amazed of is the point production that this UNLV team has happened. And obviously we had the, you know, the change at quarterback and, you know, and it's just been no looking back, you know, after that, this team, I like, like to see them win. We're seeing money. If you saw this, when you first saw the spread, it was three. And, you know, you did a double take. This, as you said, Air They're Force. They're nine and one against the spread this year, yeah. UNLV. They are. But Air Force was just as good heading up into the last two weeks. But this line was at three. I thought that was low. And now we've seen it drop again. It's down to two and a half across town. Wow. I saw it. I haven't seen it since it was three. And, uh, you know. But something smells about that, Marco. Right. That's the problem. Whenever I see something like that, and my picks will will uh, be indicative of my statement yeah. when I make them, because when something smells to me like they're begging you to take Air Force in this yeah. game, they're saying Air Force has only given you an LV. They were just nationally ranked as high as like 19 in the country. That's when, to me, it might be a trap for Air Force, but I just don't see that team losing three in a row, the pride that they have. And that is a good football team that has just played poorly for two weeks in a row. I think maybe the Army caught them after they were reeling over the Hawaii loss, and that's the problem of taking vacations in Hawaii for these Mountain West teams, man. It's just not a good place to go play. You'd much rather Hawaii to come to your home than to go there. Uh, that all being said, I want to bring somebody on board right now who uh, is very familiar with all this. He is. I, 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 don't, I don't know what they're enjoying the F1 race or not would be uh, would be the way to say it. But Chris Mathis, uh, of course, Chris uh, is the sports director at 8 News Now. You see him all the time. Does such a great job there. Chris has his finger on the pulse of Las Vegas sports as much as anybody I know in this market. Chris, appreciate you taking a few minutes. I know you're out there in the paddock right now at F1. So appreciate you taking a few minutes to join the show. Well, you're welcome, Brian. Yeah, we're out here. We're actually at the uh, South Cobalt Zone, the Flamingo entry. The workers are getting ready to go in. They'd open these gates at 6 o'clock for racing fans. So, yeah, a lot of fans will be excited to come back and see, and hopefully it's a better day today than last night when uh, Carlos Sanz's car hit that uh, valve cover and caused all sorts of damage to his car. But he was able to get back out there on uh, in practice session two, finished second uh, in the wee hours of the morning. So we'll see what happens today. You know they went through and double-checked and triple-checked all those manhole covers and uh, water valve covers, so that should be taken care of. But it's interesting that, Brian, I was checking on this. This is not the first time that manhole covers or valve hole, uh, water valve covers have popped up on a, on a practice session or in a race. In fact, since uh, doing a little bit of research, maybe it's needless research, but I was doing a little research since 2004, seven incidents like this, the most recent in 2020 in uh, Portugal. 
So it, it, it's not the first time. Hopefully this will be the last time in Vegas it'll ever happen like that. But, yeah, we're out here getting set. Kind of kind of interesting to see F1 in Las Vegas. It's a different event. It's kind of totally controlled by Liberty Media and the F1 group. There's not too much access to drivers or cars or pits or that kind of stuff. So it's kind of rolling with it and having a little bit of fun out here. You know, I'm excited, and I think it's good for Vegas Chris, and as I mentioned, uh, Marco D'Angelo is joining me on the show as well today. Um, I, I said earlier, you know, it's like, it's, it's, it, what to me, the biggest thing about F1 is the international recognition of the sporting world to Las Vegas now. That Vegas is not just a vacation or a gaming town anymore. This is becoming a sports town. And, you know, the, 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 the franchises that are already here, the franchises that are coming, obviously, with uh, Oakland being granted the, the ability by all 30 Major League Baseball owners yesterday to come to Las Las Vegas, it was voted in. We're seeing this, and to me, that's the most exciting thing. But as far as the F1 race goes, what bothers me, Chris, and again, I don't want to sit and slam people, but this the media whole thing here, protecting the drivers, you know, to be honest with you, Chris, right now, if you put me under the gun and say, name three drivers in F1 right now, my sports mind is pretty damn good. I would fail that test. So I'm just being honest, so I don't know what the, you would think they'd want to give us all kinds of access so we could promote these guys and let people know who the hell they they are, but you've got a guy like Max Verstappen, who I, I know you're familiar with, uh, what he said was Grand Prix is 99% show and 1% of sporting event here in Las Vegas. Marco D'Angelo and I both feel, hey, it's Vegas, what do you expect? What are your feelings on his statement and honestly on the, the allowance of the media by the F1 media staff? Yeah, I, I agree with you. When he, when he First of all, he said uh, you know, he wasn't impressed with the track and he's going to come in, do his thing, race, and get out. And then he comes back and says, you know, it's 99% show and 1% race. It kind of turns a lot of people off. In fact, if I was Liberty Media, who paid $8 billion for F1, I'd be a little upset. I said, you know what? You're actually working for F1. You're a driver. Sure you are. And you make a lot of money. What does he make? $66 million a year, whatever. And he's the number one driver, wins all these races. But you got to figure, hey, if we're ever going to grow our sport and reach into the communities and, and, and get those uh, race fans who are maybe not F1 fans, but can we win them over? That's not the thing you want to be saying is, that, you know, I don't care about Vegas and it's all show. That's what Vegas is. You had to know that coming in here. That's what it is. The opening ceremonies, uh, it, someone wrote uh, that it was like a halftime show of the Super Bowl and opening ceremonies of the Olympics. But that's what Vegas is. That's what makes it so cool and unique. When you do, a, when you do I've said this on the air and I did it last night, when you do events in Las Vegas, there are just different obligations that you must provide, and that's because this is the sports and entertainment capital of the world now. So I think they understand that. I'll tell you one thing. Though. Let me let me uh, mention this, that Lewis Hamilton, now there's a guy who is really, uh, now we haven't had any access to him, but all of his quotes have been so favorable to Las Vegas, the track, let's see how it goes. He's excited to run on the track. It's year one. He also said that uh, what we need to do as a sport is get out into the communities and uh, garner some of the uh, attention from the different people who may not be F1 fans or know about our sport. In fact, he invited a bunch of elementary students to his uh, over to the paddock, to his garage, so that he could talk with them and explain and show them what an F1 car is all about. That's what they need to do. Get out in the community, spread the word, don't slam Las Vegas and its, and its uh, race course track. You know what? See what it's all about. There'll be, there'll be adjustments. This is the first year that it's been held. They got a three year, they got a three year commitment, possibly as much as 10. And when you build and spend all the money that they did, a half a billion dollars to build your paddock by the land and put your headquarters, U.S. headquarters here, I don't think it's, it's, it's right for a driver to be slamming the situation when he, 
He's only been on the track a couple times. He's been in a simulator with this thing. So we'll see what happens after year one. In fact, Steve Hill mentioned that uh, prices will come down. they got to adjust that. I think they know that. You can't have sky-high prices right off the bat. If it becomes where it's uh, a premium ticket, then maybe you do raise the prices. But you can't have them so high that now it's a bad look when they're bringing everything down, way down the hotel rooms and the prices of tickets. So, you know, it started started to, at, at where it's kind of moder- moderately priced, and if, it, if it's selling out fast, maybe then you increase it. But don't go sky high right off the bat. That was a mistake. Oh, I agree with you 100%. I thought that was moronic. You want to get fans. You want to get people to draw to it. Chris, and I agree with you 100%. The representatives of F1 that are talking or are speaking to the media need to speak positively because you're exactly right. This is Las Vegas. It is about the show. You are going to see one of the coolest things ever when you see Formula One cars driving through the streets of Las Vegas on Las Vegas Boulevard at night when the neon extravaganza beyond your wildest dreams is happening. You've now got the sphere, which, of course, you know, ironically was constructed and ready, at, at, you know, prior to this event. This is way too cool to not be talking about. I strictly am choosing to take a week off because it's the first week for me. There's no Vegas teams playing in town so I can breathe. So I'm actually going to enjoy myself for a weekend and not go to F1. I'm sure I'll go in the future, but really, but it's cool. And I think it's great for the city of Las Vegas. I just think everyone needs to have more realistic expectations and much more realistic price ranges considering everything that's going on right now i know they spent eight billion dollars that's not our fault okay so don't don't inflict that on us get, get that money back over time chris before i let you go one other thing since we're talking about this you do you know we started this conversation obviously talking about unlv football but what, what you didn't hear at the beginning of the show we were talking about the oakland a's coming you know finally at least 90% of the hurdles have been jumped over now. And I think all of us, even the city of Oakland, is finally realizing that this is going to come to fruition. In 2028, Major League Baseball will be a regular part of the Las Vegas community. Chris, what are your thoughts on this, and how cool is it now that we can almost say officially we have our third major professional franchise and our fourth overall professional franchise coming to Las Vegas? Yeah, I thought that was big news, and it's funny. Uh, last night, it, well, yesterday, I guess it would have been, you know, the front page of of every newscast and and uh, every single story and different stories and different angles and all this. But it, but then it fell on the opening day of practice for F one. It kind of, I don't want to say it took a backseat, but it kind of was paralleled. But it would have been like just a gigantic story, which it is. And you mentioned that now that the owners have approved it. So basically, what has to happen now? Is uh, the A's to go back? They'll get. They got to get a stadium agreement all worked out. They got to get a non uh, non relocation agreement worked out. They got to come up with a financing plan. They do have the new renderings, and uh, I talked to uh, A's president Dave Cobble yesterday, and I asked him about that. And I said, Dave, from what I understand, a few of the the people that I've talked to who have seen your renderings have said that this thing is absolutely eye popping. Then he had a big smile on his face and said, Well, you'll all get to see it in the media. Within two weeks, they're going to hold a press conference. Then we all get to see it. And I said, from what I understand, it kind of looks like the uh, Sydney Opera House and the old Las Vegas motel called the La Concha. And uh, he kind of said, well, you'll see. He had a smile on his face. So I think this is going to be phenomenal. That stadium, I think, will have the – oh, and, and it will have kind of a you – know, you know, Legion Stadium is just unique in itself because it's in Las Vegas. This stadium, this baseball stadium, will be similar. Now, I think – he wouldn't confirm it, but he said, you'll find out. But I think it's going to be fully enclosed, no retractable roof, but we will find out. But I think it's going to be uh, uh, fully uh, roofed over and not retractable. But 
but the but if you go if anybody any of the listeners right now go on and look at the uh, Sydney Opera House or the uh, La Concha Motel that was here in Las Vegas and you look at that and you see those different uh, architectural designs you'll say wow I can't wait to see that so I'm I'm looking forward to seeing those pictures I know a lot of people in uh, not a lot some people in Las Vegas have seen them and then pretty soon we'll be able to share them with everybody but I'm I'm excited about the A's I think it's going to be a big addition right there on the strip of the Tropicana site which will be phenomenal for that franchise. Also, Cobble, I asked him about, hey, you can't come into Las Vegas without winning. you got to win if you come to this town. because we fully understand that. And uh, with the revenue that we'll make and with Las Vegas, we'll, we'll have a winner here. So that's what they're confident about. So well, I guess we'll wait and see. I mean, it's easy to say that, but now they got to go out and, and produce and let's put uh, – Let's put words uh, on, on the diamond and see what happens. No doubt about it. John Fisher has to be good to his word. He said that he would start spending money when they got a new stadium. And we've seen other teams get be, become very successful when they moved into a new ballpark. Hopefully, uh, you know, and he's got a tough act to follow coming here after the Vegas Golden Knights. Even though the Raiders are here still, that's the NFL. This is MLB. It's in Vegas where it's very hot. I knew it with the roof would at, at, at worst have to be retractable. Makes sense that it's going to be enclosed. And, of course, if those aren't familiar out there, it's Mortensen McCarthy joint uh, architectural venture the A's contracted for the stadium project and they told the Clark County Stadium Authority last month that construction on this $1.5 billion 33,000 seat ballpark would need to begin by August, excuse me, by April of 2025 to be completed in time for the start of the 2028 season and if you're not familiar, Mortensen McCarthy, the same joint architecture venture that built the Legion Stadium, possibly the most state of the art facility as far as stadiums go in the country, so I can only imagine Imagine, Chris, what this one is going to look like. I'm pretty excited for it. Last yeah. question for you. Where have, have you heard anything uh, beyond where they would play until then? Because right now it seems like a year-by-year lease with the Coliseum, which Fisher owns 50% of, would make maybe the most sense. But they're also talking about across the bay at the Giants Oracle Park or maybe even here at the Las Vegas Ballpark. What have you heard about that? Yeah, I asked him about that. There's going to be a lot of discussion still ahead on that front. He wouldn't come out and say other than to say that they're, they're still talking about it, working on it. Uh, Las Vegas ballpark is not out of the question. But really, next year, a 2024 season in Oakland will be such a lame duck season. I can't imagine. I think you would make more money. If you're looking to make a little money, you would make more money on just coming to Las Vegas and playing the 2024 season. I know the schedules are out and they can't do it and, and all that. But it, it, So it'll be a lame duck season in Oakland. And, and in 2025, we'll see what happens. I was gonna. Say, I, I've been telling a lot of people. You want to see baseball really close up? Go 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 visit Oakland next year during the Major League Baseball season. You can sit anywhere you want in the house. There'll be five thousand people in the stadium. He is Chris <laughs> Matthews. He is the Mathis, I should say. Excuse me. And he is the uh, sports director at Eight News. Now, Chris, as always, appreciate taking time out to join the show. Well, guys, thank you very much. Hey, by the way, I'm looking forward to that. The UNLV football team hasn't beaten Air Force in ten years, so we'll see what happens tomorrow. Hopefully. Uh, they can not you win. That'd be so cool if they win that game tomorrow. They pretty much cement themselves in the Mountain West Conference championship game and are the front runners to win the regular season Mountain West Conference. I can't believe in Barry Odom's first season. I am saying that, Chris. I am blown away, and I said it a bunch of times. I love the guy. I refuse to get engaged or marry him, though, because it's like dating a fine woman. In like two or three years, she's going to leave me. I have a feeling Barry Odom, it's going to be the same thing with Barry. You know that is a matter of fact. You know some of those Power 5 schools are already looking and saying, hey, look, look what that former uh, Arkansas assistant coach is doing in UNLV. And they're saying, hey, he wasn't that bad at Missouri. Didn't get the, uh, the help he needed. Now look at it. I mean, so, it's, yeah, I, you know those Power 5s are circling like uh, vultures right now, ready to offer him a ton of money. So 
we'll see what happens. But I'm, I'm happy that in, in the here and now, the present, and what they're doing. And by the way, with the eight wins now, get a load of this. Uh, the, the team that's won the most games in UNLV football history uh, won 11 games. So if UNLV wins this game tomorrow, that's nine. Let's say they beat San Jose State. There's 10. Now they go to the Mountain West Championship game. There's 11. They go to a bowl game. They win that. They could actually hold the record for the most wins in UNLV football history. And Barry, as you mentioned, his first year is crazy. Uh, normally, Chris, I'd say you're out of your mind with everything that you just said. But you know what? I would probably take a glass of that Kool-Aid right now. I mean, it's uh, it's really cool what we're seeing here. He is, again, once again, Chris Mathis, 8 News Now Sports Director. Appreciate you, man. Have fun this weekend at F1. I will be watching on television for the first time in a long time. I'm not attending a major event, and I can't believe I'm excited about it. Chris, have a great rest of your weekend, my friend. All right. Thank you very much, guys. You, too. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the races. Okay, absolutely. So uh, we've got a few more minutes. Yeah, so real quickly, you know, just, just to, to wrap all that up, the A's, the UNLV, it just, it's so cool. Um, you know, it, it just, Marco, just the feel of Las Vegas. I can't believe when I'm hearing all these things and now UNLV football successful. I mean, man, we're starting to get spoiled. It is. And, you know, it's happening. It started with, you know, the Knights. They they get all the credit, as you said. And it, unfortunately, it started, as you said, with October 1. But for people that I came from Pittsburgh, I had the Penguins. So I had I was a hockey town. They were secondary. If I would have known that, I wouldn't have agreed to do the show with you. There you go. <laughs> hey, we had some good battles with the Red Wings. I was going to say, I had. I will never forget, we're up 3-1, to one, and Sidney Crosby and Marc-Andre Fleury decided to say, no, yeah. we're not going to let you win another Stanley yeah. Cup, and they took it away from us. I still suffer from that. The uh, But to believe it or not, I wasn't a big fan of hockey in Pittsburgh. I probably went to, you know, I could less than 10 games wow. when I was back there. That's but surprising. I came. I came here... Got excited about the Knights and my wife, who's not a sports fan at all, you know, and that's a crazy mix because this is, this is what I do. I took her to a hockey game. The first game I took her to, she got to see overtime, shootout, and a win. The next year, she had me buying season tickets. <laughs> it it really is infectious. I mean, in the best possible way. Um, Vegas just does it right. It's so funny when you go to any other sporting event in Las Vegas, anyone that plays the national anthem, you're not getting through through it without hearing, Nights! No matter where it is. I, and I, I smile every time I hear it. I did but it that, Penn State, I, Michigan. If you would have told me, yeah, that's outstanding. <laughs> if you would have told me, though, it would be something like this prior to 2017, I would have thought you were it's not that I didn't think hockey would catch on and work here. I did think they would have to be somewhat successful, but I never in a million years could have envisioned anything like this, Marco. And anyone that tells you that they were, well, you've discovered a liar because there's not a soul on earth that would have expected this. These guys came in, they they grabbed that misfit moniker, and they took it all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals in year one. They have been nothing but the epitome of success since that time, and last year it culminates with a Stanley Cup in Las Vegas. And I I'm beaming from ear to ear because it's funny because I am such a diehard Detroit guy when it comes to sports. Uh, the Lions finally are giving me something to be a little bit happy about. I'm not counting my chickens before I even know if the eggs are fertilized, <laughs> being a longtime Detroit fan. But you know what? 
I've adopted the Vegas Golden Knights as my fifth favorite professional sports franchise. And I tell people, because you know what? I'd already been here for over 15 years when they showed up. Mm -hmm. So I feel that I was a Vegas local and I can adopt them. It's not like they came from another city. Like the Raiders, I'm struggling with more, you know, because they've they've been the Oakland Raiders, the Los Angeles Raiders, now the Vegas Raiders. I'll get used to it. And it's not that I don't like them. Like I said, I'd love to see the Lions play the Raiders in the playoffs every year because you know what that would mean. We'd be playing in the Super Bowl. I'd be fine with that. Uh, I'd be wearing Honolulu blue and silver on that day, but I'd be fine with it. But overall, the feeling in Las Vegas taking us to break, Marco, how great is this, man? Oh, absolutely. And to see from the beginning to now, and you see the split as we talked about the games were 60-40, 50-50 with the fans. It's, you know, it's, it's slowly changing. It is changing. Absolutely. And uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, you know, the cool thing is, is we, we are some of the friendliest fans. I don't know if I like that or not. I mean, I kind of like the fact that when I go to opposing stadiums, I'd have to keep my mouth shut in fear of getting beaten up. I like that passion in sports. So I want us to have that here a little bit. I don't want people getting beaten up, but I want us to have the feeling like I'm not selling you my tickets when Green Bay comes to town because you're a flipping Packer fan, bro. And I'll sell them to someone else for 10 bucks less for that. That's what I would like to see more of. But listen, it is time for us to take a break. I'm Brian Feldman. He is Marco D'Angelo. Justin Tuck is here. And we want to thank, of course, uh, Darren Elliott for joining the show and Chris Mathis on the other side of this break we've got best bets with the doctor himself tc martin back to more non-stop sports talk with the doctor tc martin all right welcome back to the tc martin once again brian feldman Pinch hitting today for the doctor himself, T.C. Martin, joined in studio by Marco D'Angelo and, of course, Justin Tuck behind the big board here. Uh, joining us on the phone lines is T.C. Martin himself. I just want to remind you that uh, the T.C. Martin Show, Monday through Friday, 2 to 4 p.m., streaming live at tcmartinshow.com. And once again, if you miss any part of this show or any show, go to tcmartinshow.com under the podcast section. Also, check out the interview page and hear from the great guests. Go to the current and classic interview pages at any time at tcmartinshow.com and next week he'll be back at the Superbook at the Westgate the world's largest sports book where TC does his show every Friday. TC happy to have you here my friend What's going on Brian? Thank you very much for uh, being there filling in, doing the thing like uh, that you do and I am uh, coming to you live from Sacktown for the weekend so appreciate you my man uh, Absolutely my pleasure TC in Sacktown you're right around the corner from a town called Oakland that's not real happy right now yeah, this is true. Well, uh, as you know, they've been expecting this uh, for a long, long time, so I think they finally come to grips with it. But, yeah, exciting day for people uh, in Las Vegas, and we'll see if uh, time will, uh, will you know, make things, you know, better for the, for the people in, in, in Vegas and, you know, see if they'll start getting excited about Major League Baseball and, um, and the Oakland A's uh, coming there. Because, as you know, right now, I think there's a lot of mixed feelings. A lot of people do not uh, feel that uh, maybe the A's are a good fit. It's going to be a good thing. But I think over time when they see the new ballpark and we get to 2028, I think uh, people in Vegas will be embracing Major League Baseball. What do you guys think? 
I think as long as uh, as long as John Fisher uh, steps up and does what he says he's going to do with the new stadium and spend a little bit more money, make that payroll not the smallest in Major League Baseball, this team will be successful. The Oakland A's, surprisingly, with their payroll, TC, one of the most successful teams since 2000. I think sixth most successful team since 2000 with a bad payroll. I think it's going to work out well here. I think Vegas is morphing into a sports town, and I couldn't be happier about it. What about you, Marco? Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it, and I'm looking forward to seeing the teams come to town. Like I said, when you get the Yankees, you get Boston, you, you get all of the the blue bloods of baseball coming, it's going to be a, quite an experience and head down to the Strip. Yep, and that, and that ballpark too, TC. I can only imagine the same architects that designed Allegiant Stadium are going to be doing the new ballpark, and I can only imagine how nice uh, this place is going to be when it's done. Chris Mathis just told us it's going to be an enclosed ballpark, and it's, it's going to get exposed to us here in the media in about two weeks. So super excited on my end. I love Major League Baseball, but then again, as you know, TC, you and I are at every damn event. I love sports, so... All right, my friend. Well, we hope you're ready for uh, some best bets, uh, Brian, because we know Marco is, Trevor, myself. Let's get cracking. It's a football Friday. Let's do it. It's football Friday, and time for the weekend's action. Here's the best bets. All right, it's time for the best bets. Three best college plays, three best NFL plays. And uh, Brian Feldman is going to be joining us today, along with Marco D'Angelo, our handicapper extraordinaire. I believe went 6-0 and last week. Bat down the hatches. Marco is coming like a, a steam bull. So, yes, congratulations, Marco. And then, of course, our college football guru, Trevor Maddich, uh, as well. Trev, kick us off here. Three best college plays. Okay. Uh, let's start out with North Carolina State. Is that Virginia Tech? And NC State's getting two and a half. I, I like the Wolfpack in this one. Virginia Tech is five and five. They're fighting for a bowl game. North Carolina State has already qualified for a bowl. But it's the matchup here that I like because Virginia Tech's offense has been very good against poor defenses and bad against good defenses. They face three opponents, Rutgers, Florida State, and Louisville, whose defenses are 21st in the nation or better in an overall metric called SP+, which kind of evaluates your defense based on what you do and what the opponent's offense can do and things like that. And in those three games, Virginia Tech has lost each one of them by an average of 24 points. And so I think that North Carolina State's defense, which ranks 16th in the nation in that defensive metric, uh, should be able to shut them down pretty well. I think Virginia Tech is going to have to go bowling by beating Virginia next week, but I like to take the points with NC State. And then Georgia is at Tennessee laying 10. And I like Georgia in this game. And, again, it's because of matchups. Tennessee is really good at home. But this team is going to have trouble stopping what Georgia does best. Tennessee has played two really good teams this year, Alabama and Missouri, and both of them exposed Tennessee's flaws. I mean, Tennessee runs the ball well against lesser defenses, but they struggle against good D lines. Georgia has a good D line. Jalen, or excuse me, Joe Milton is inconsistent at quarterback, especially against better secondaries. And Tennessee's defense is really strong, but if you can throw it deep, you can beat them deep. And Georgia can throw them deep, especially because Lad McConkey, wide receiver, and Brock Bowers at tight end are both healthy at the same time. So I like Georgia and lay the points. 
And then New Mexico State is at Auburn getting 25 and a half. That's when I locked it in. They're actually getting 26 and a half now. Last time I checked because their quarterback, Diego Pavia, is day to day and he may not play. But I still like New Mexico State to cover that big number. Auburn's in a, a spot where they just want to get healthy. They had a big win last week against Arkansas. Next week is Alabama in the Iron Bowl. New Mexico State, this is their Super Bowl. For Auburn, their Super Bowl is next week. And the Aggies have won six in a row. They're eight and three right now. They're, they're physical. Uh, they, they believe. And I think that they should be able to keep this game close enough, and especially in the end when Auburn is trying to rest people to get ready for Alabama next week, New Mexico State will be able to at least get a backdoor cover of 25 and a half. All right. He is Trevor Maddich. Let's go to our professional, Marco D'Angelo. What you got, Marco, on the college side for Saturday? All right. We're going to start with South Carolina catching one and a half against Kentucky. Kentucky's in a horrible scheduling spot. They're coming off playing Alabama last week. Yeah, they got the doors blown off them, but that was Alabama. They were sky high for that game. And who do they got next? They got their arch rival, Louisville, next week uh, in the in-state battle. And Louisville's having success this year, so they would like to derail uh, the Cardinal. I am going to go ahead and take South Carolina. Spencer Rattler has woken up the last two weeks, 399 and 351 throwing the football. That's play number one, South Carolina. Play number two, this is an angle I like to look at. You've got Syracuse and Georgia Tech. Both teams are at 5-5. Five and five. Obviously, the winner becomes bowl eligible. You get two teams like this battling for a playoff, uh, not a playoff, a bowl berth late in the season. Means they're not the best of teams because they're still trying to become bowl eligible when the next to last game of the season. I'll take the dog in that scenario, uh, and that is Syracuse. Syracuse got a win last week. And remember, this team did start the season 4-0 and until they lost that game against Clemson, and then they spiraled after that. They got the win last week. I look for them to build on that and get the win here. I'm taking Syracuse plus the 6.5. And, and for the last one, I'm going to take UCLA plus the 6.5 against Southern Cal. I've got one adage, guys. When you get the better defense and you're getting points, I'm going to look that way. And there's no question who has the better defense. Also, whenever it's a rivalry game, you throw out the stats. You know it's going to be, you know, a downright Donnie Brook of a fight between the two. And I got a question after the last couple weeks, the games that USC has been in and lost, what they've got left in the tank. I know it's a rivalry, but I think that gas tank's on empty. Give me UCLA plus the points. I think they win it outright. Mm, all right. Brian Feldman, our gracious host today, hunkering down there in the studio in Las Vegas. Brian, what do you got? Two, two unconventional games. games that a lot of people won't be betting on, but I want to talk about them. But I'll start off the one game that probably, to me, is one of the most intriguing matchups of the weekend, and that is Washington at Oregon State. A lot of people feel Washington has a good shot at being one of the final four teams in the country this year. I think this is the perfect trap game, and I, I, there's a reason why Oregon State's favored in this game, and I like them in this game to not only win, but to cover the, the small spread. Um, the Beavers are a team without a home. This is a team that 
that's played with the chip on their shoulder all year, not sure where they would end up. We, we all think they're going to end up in the Mountain West Conference, but again, Washington on their way uh, across man geographically uh, to a conference that makes absolutely no sense, but um, I just think this is a trap game, and I think the Huskies go down. I think their undefeated season goes goes by the, the wayside today, and the number 10 Oregon State Beavers beat them. Uh, the next game is uh, not really a shocker on my end. I mean, maybe the prediction, but man, I have to go with another game that everyone here, believe it or not, TC, you included, is really intrigued by this matchup this week, and that's the Rebels going and playing against Air Force. Now, Air Force just a couple of weeks ago ranked in the country a team that I don't think anybody had on their charts or their radar that UNLV could win this game. Even as UNLV's been winning, I still think everyone kind of had this chalked up as a loss. I'm going to go the other way. The line keeps dropping. They're begging you to take Air Force. I know Air Force just lost Hawaii. I know they got manhandled by Army a couple weeks ago, and I know they've had 10 turnovers in the last two games. All those things, to me, bode well for UNLV. I think Air Force is still reeling. I don't know that they're going to recover to what they were at the beginning of the season. And I think UNLV goes in there and not only covers the small spread, I think they win it and take the Mountain West by the horns. Maybe it's a bit of a homer pick, but I like it. And finally, man, one of the things that's the most frustrating thing to me, TC, Trevor, Marco, is James Madison. This is a team that has been ranked as high as 17th nationally, undefeated. They had a great season last year, and yet the Dukes are still are not eligible for a college football playoff rankings bowl they can still make a bowl if they are not if there are not enough eligible teams to fill the 82 team slots in the 41 bowl games which that does seem kind of likely, like they'll find a way to get them in, but this James Madison team is for real. They've been blowing teams out. They beat Virginia. They beat Utah State this year, and I look that like I don't think Appalachian State's going to be any more than a road bump. This team wins again. I don't care what the spread is. They're going to win by 30 in this game and prove to everyone that they deserve to play in a bowl game. Alright, App State, as we know, they've been there before. A little bit more seasoned, but you're right. JMU playing with a mission and with a statement, and uh, trying to fight the courts as well, too, to uh, get uh, into a uh, major bowl game. All right, uh, great stuff. Guys, I'm going to start with West Virginia and Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati just entered the Big 12, as we know, and they have been taking their lumps. They have one conference win, and that was against Lowly Houston, who, oh, by the way, is a newcomer as well. They've lost seven out of their last eight games. I'm all about the Mountaineers in this one. Uh, when you look at Cincinnati, they're offensively challenged. West Virginia solid ground game, and they play exceptionally well at home. They've won four of the last five games in Morgantown. I think West Virginia rolls here, lay the six and a half with the Mounties. And then, Trev, I'm going to go the opposite way here, and uh, I, I know this is a tough thing to do, to go against a team that's won 27 straight games in the Georgia Bulldogs, but give me some Rocky Top. Give me some orange and white uh, ice cream, please, all right? Now, we know that uh, Georgia has been full, uh, feeling themselves Pretty good this week, right? They jumped Ohio State for number one rankings in the college football playoffs. They're feeling pretty good. But they're going to be in tough against a Tennessee team that has won 14 straight home games themselves there in Knoxville. Tennessee got caught in a look-ahead game last week. We were on Mizzou last week, if you remember. Now we're going to get on Tennessee. I think the balls are going to be ready. Georgia has had only two true road games. I think that's a big deal. Only two true road games, and they didn't cover in either one against Auburn and Vandy. Good ground game for the Vols. Defense is good enough to keep it close. Take Tennessee plus ten and a half. And Washington and Oregon State. Brian, I am gonna go against you, brother. 
10-0 and team, top team in the Pac-12, number five in the country. They're an underdog? Give me a break. I know it's only a point and a half, but listen, Oregon State's a nice story, but here's where I'm coming from, okay? I know they're going to be fired up, but they're not going to be able to stop that Washington offense. Big advantage of the quarterback situation uh, for Washington and at wide receiver. We know Oregon State looks better, you know, and but Washington's defense is actually probably just as good, if not better. you got to remember, Washington's stats are skewed a little bit because they had tough games against high-powered offenses in USC and Oregon. Oregon State hasn't played either one of those high-octane offenses. So, got to remember, Oregon State gave up 40 to Cal. They gave up 38 to Wazoo. I think it's a nice story, but it's going to come to a crashing end. Washington's on a mission to, to finish this thing undefeated. I will take the Huskies. To the NFL we go. Trev, bring it. Well, Kansas City is laying two and a half at home against the Eagles. These are probably the two best teams in the NFL. They're both coming off a bye. And so there's a couple questions I have to ask myself here. Which quarterback do I trust most with in a huge game coming off a bye? And that would be Patrick Mahomes. Which coach do I trust more coming off a bye in a huge game? And that would be Andy Reid. So we start there. But then you also look at the the actual matchup. The Eagles like to run a lot of man coverage with a, a free safety, man free. And Patrick Mahomes just happens to be the top quarterback in the NFL at making plays against man free coverage. And so I think they're going to be able to take advantage of that. Now, I think that as good as the defense of Kansas City is, I think that the Eagles are going to score as well. They're going to move the ball as well. But when it comes down to it, since it's only a two-and-a-half-point spread, uh, I like Kansas City to take all their advantages and the things that they know and the things that have made them the Chiefs and the Eagles are trying to get to that point. But until they can surpass Mahomes and Reed, I'm going to go with Kansas City laying two-and-a-half at home. Then the Cowboys are at the Panthers laying ten-and-a-half. And, and I like the Cowboys in this. Dallas has been very good at crushing bad teams. They did it last week. I think it was against the Giants. They were laying about 17. They covered that easily. The Panthers are 1-8, and eight, and they've had a few moments, but I just don't think that they have an advantage anywhere in this matchup. The Cowboys have one of the best defenses in the league. They're fourth in allowing just 18 points per game. The Panthers are one of the worst in scoring. They're 29th in, uh, in scoring. Uh, they're 30th in total offense, you know, so they, I just don't know how they're going to move the ball all that well against the Cowboys defense. And the quarterback, Bryce Young, is one of the most sacked quarterbacks in the NFL, fourth most sacked. So I think on offense, they're going to have all kinds of trouble. I think the Cowboys are going to be able to do whatever they want to do on, on, well, against the defense of Carolina because I don't think they're going to be in any kind of a position to get out of their game plan. And I like Dallas to cover this, even though, uh, road favorites of at least seven points in the NFL this year have been really abysmal. But I think this is the place where the Cowboys kind of break that streak. Then Seattle is at the LA Rams. And I like the total on this one. The, 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 the total is 46 and a half. The reason I like it is because I like both quarterbacks match up against both secondaries. Geno Smith of Seattle. He struggles against man defense. He he excels against zone defense. Um, and the Rams are running zone defense all, more than almost any team in the league. They're the fifth 
highest rate of zone defense in the league. So Geno Smith is getting exactly what he excels at. And then Matthew Stafford, he's one of the best in the league against zone coverage. And Seattle runs cover three, three deep zone, more than almost any team in the league as well. Their third highest rate of cover three in zone defense. So both quarterbacks are going to see the kind of zone defenses that they tend to thrive against. Now, Stafford has a thumb injury. But I don't think that'll really take away enough of his ability to exploit what Seattle does for the under to hit in this. I like over 46 and a half. All right, Marco D'Angelo, what do you got for Sunday or Monday? We're going to start it off with Cleveland at Pittsburgh, and I am going to go against my Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes, I'm going to take Cleveland, even with quarterback Dorian Thompson Robinson, injured player theory, but here's the key. Pittsburgh has won the last two games. They've had the success on the ground, which has helped the offense. They still have been outgained in all nine games this year. They won't be able to run the football this week against the Browns' defense, and that's going to spell trouble for Kenny Pickett. Take Cleveland as they circle the wagons behind uh, the rookie quarterback. Next one, I'm going to go with Green Bay plus three against the Chargers. Everybody saw the game last week with the Chargers and Detroit, both teams going up and down the field. Everybody loves to jump on a team that looked good in losing, expecting them to bounce back this week. I say no. That takes too much out of you in a game like that. I look for them to lose the Detroit game a second time this week. I'm going to go ahead and take Green Bay plus the three for the outright upset win. And Trevor, we're on the same side Monday night, and we're going with Kansas City. And, you know, I started out, be honest, I thought I was going to be on Philadelphia. But the more I broke down the Super Bowl from last year, and I'm looking at these two teams from this year, what is different about these two teams from last year to this year? It's the Kansas City defense, and they're playing at home. They're minus two and a half. They're going to get the win. They'll shut down Jalen Hurts. And one other factor that they didn't have last year, Taylor Swift, up in the press box, watching the game. <laughs> Go with the Chiefs. Become a Swifty. Uh, you sure he's got the, the the right Swift in there? Doesn't he have that Detroit Lions Swift? Huh? Doesn't he have DeAndre Swift? Isn't that what he meant, uh, Brian? That's an eagle. He's an eagle now. But, yeah, I think eagle. that's what he was true, talking about. True. true. There you go. Former Lion Eagle. Thank you very much. All right, B. Feldman, what do you got? Well, you know, I'm going to start off with a team that uh, is surprising me. At the beginning of the season, I said they were going to be one of the bottom three teams in the NFL, and they have proved differently right now. They're over 500 for the first time this year. The Houston Texans are surprising everyone in the respect that C.J. Stroud has turned out to be everything and more that they could have hoped. That This is an athletic quarterback that I think is going to be a pro bowler down the road, and if he stays healthy, to me, the sky is the limit. This guy doesn't only have the athleticism, he has the skill set and can throw the four different passes you need to be able to throw to be an NFL quarterback and we're seeing this all in his rookie year one of the best rookies in the National Football League this year I like Houston over uh, Arizona's coming to town I don't care that Kyler Murray was healthy again I don't care about any of that stuff in my opinion they shouldn't have gotten the guy that they shipped to Minnesota they should have stuck with him and because of that I don't think five points is nearly enough I think Houston blows out Arizona at home also believe it or not just like Marco going against his Pittsburgh Steelers I am going against my Detroit Lions. Not that I think they are going to lose this game, and not I don't even want to necessarily call this a trap game, but 
It's a division rival. They play each other twice a year. The Bears know the Lions as well as anybody else. It's not Campbell's first year. It's his third. So they are they are familiar with, with his style of play, with his aggressiveness, and I think they are begging you with eight-point spread, begging you to take the Detroit Lions. When I first looked at this, I thought it should be 14-plus points of a spread. So to me, I'm going to take the eight points and the Chicago Bears, hoping that the Lions find a way to win, even though I think it's going to be a close one. And finally, I think the San Francisco 49ers found their sea legs last week in Jacksonville. They went in there and finally showed up, and the biggest key is playing defensively. TC, I don't know how the hell the 49ers keep doing this, but now Chase Young. When is this going to stop? Christian McCaffrey, Chase Young, they get everybody for God's sakes. I know it's your hometown. I know it's your home area, but I'm pissed off because I want my Lions to win home field throughout the playoffs, and the 49ers are damn determined to make that not happen. There's no way they have any problem whatsoever with the lame Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They are going to go, they are going to stomp them at home. 12 points, give them 25. The Niners win this one going away. I'm with you, Brian, and I'm going to be uh, with, uh, with Trevor here as well, too. Uh, and I'm taking a trio of favorites here, and I'll agree with what Trevor said about Dallas. I'm laying 10.5. We had them last week against the Giants. Dallas beats bad teams badly. Case in point last week against the Giants. Carolina 1-8, and eight, and they're as bad as they come. Dallas is great at home. Oh, but wait, this is an away game. Oh, no, it's not. This is basically a home game because there will be more Cowboy fans in Charlotte than there will be Panther fans. No question about it. Lay the double digits with the Dallas Cowboys. Lay the 10.5. Brian, I'm with you. I'm laying 11 with San Francisco right back on them just like I was last week against Jacksonville. San Francisco got back on track last week. They are rolling along. You're right about that. 34-3. Now they're coming home to a pathetic team with a pathetic offense, with a pathetic quarterback in Baker Mayfield. Niners will roll in this one. They can write their own score. They're asking them, ask, we're asking them to win by two touchdowns against this team. I don't think it's a problem. They're relatively healthy as well, too. Yeah, yeah, let's take the Niners. And finally, guys, I know I'm going to get maybe a, a sigh here. Let's take a deep breath. Why am I going back to this? I kind of feel like Marco, because Marco does this a lot, too. It's like, why am I taking teams that have hurt me? <laughs> Josh Allen, do not hurt me this week. Every struggling team needs a remedy, right, guys? Well, Buffalo gets their medicine this week. They're playing the Jets, the anemic Jets. The Jets haven't scored more than 14 in six of their nine games. Buffalo has to be better than they were Monday night. They gave the game away, four turnovers. They will be better. They will win going away, plus a little revenge from opening night where they gave that game away against the Jets. Josh Allen redeems himself. Bills blow out the Jets Monday night, lay the seven with the Buffalo Bills. All right, our best bets uh, up on the website. If uh, they're not up there yet, they will be in just a matter of moments after the show, show so go check it out uh, at tcmartinshow.com. Uh, all of ours, as well as uh, Scott Spritzer, Gilby the intern as well, too. All right, I am going to say hasta la vista, baby. Brian, I appreciate you. Marco, Trevor, take care. Have yourself a good weekend. Brian, I'll let you uh, wrap up the show here today, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to everybody on Monday.
I had a good time today. Appreciate you, TC. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how our best bets take care. Once again, I'm Brian Feldman. Pinch hitting today for the doctor himself, TC Martin, joined in studio by the magical uh, Marco D'Angelo. And uh, don't forget, you can uh, follow Marco on Facebook, on Twitter, I should say, at Marco in Vegas. Check that out. My show is every Sunday, 8 o'clock in the morning on Fox Sports Radio called Out of Line. Definitely check us out this Sunday. I want to thank everyone for helping us out and joining the show today. Of course, that starts with uh, Darren Elliott, Chris Mathis. Um, also want to thank Trevor Maddich, TC Martin, the co-host, Marco D'Angelo, and of course our producer, Justin the Chuckmeister. Chuck, you can argue that name with me if you want. He likes it. That's all that matters. He doesn't want you calling him or me calling him or Marco calling him the Friar. Although, I have to think about that. Never tell me what you don't want me to call you. Big mistake to somebody that's sarcastic. Uh, listen, uh, no sports in town this week other than the biggest F1 is in town. Wait a minute. There's some basketball games going on as well in the main event, if I'm not mistaken, at T-Mobile Arena. Some good college basketball going on there. I won't be at the Strip. I'll be home. I'll be enjoying myself and uh, I'll appreciate you. But once again, um, uh, if you miss any part of this show or any show, go to tcmartinshow.com under the podcast section. Also check out the interview page and hear from the great guests. Go to the current and classic interview pages anytime at tcmartinshow.com. And don't forget to come by and see the show live mostly every Friday, not today, from 2 to 4 p.m. at the Superbook at the Westgate Las Vegas, the world's largest sports book, home of the giant 4K video wall. Watch the games in comfort in a non-smoking environment, the world-famous Superbook at the Westgate Las Vegas. T.C. Martin back with you on Monday. I'm Brian Feldman. He's Marco D'Angelo. He's Justin Chuck. And we are going for our weekend. It's time to get out of here. See you soon. Bye-bye.